Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Verse 22 through 24. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassion never fails. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So I say to myself, I love, I love this passage of Scripture because here's the prophet. You know, the reason the prophet was speaking this is because uh, uh, of what was going on in the children of Israel at the time. You have to understand these were the most inconsistent, unfaithful people you have ever met in your life. They were up. They were down. They were, if they got in a lot of trouble, they would go to God. God will serve you. God will care for you. And God would come and rescue them. And then they would find themselves being inconsistent again. And they would go after their own ways and disobey God and reject Him. And then they'd get in trouble again. The judgment would come. And then they would cry out to God, God, help us, God help us, and then God would send uh, help to them, and then they would love God again, and then that cycle would just continue and continue and continue. It sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? And it's what humanity has a problem with, is we find ourselves needing and wanting God when we're in trouble, but then when we're fine, or it seems like we're fine, we really kind of put him on the back burner. It's just kind of a habit. It's kind of a problem. It's kind of an issue. The, the sad part is for us that live in the New Testament age, after Jesus has come, died on the cross for our sins, replaced us, and then rose again from the dead, we shouldn't be struggling with that. We should be dedicated because Jesus lives in us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and I. So we should be living an on fire, committed, following after God, discipling relationship with Jesus. That's the way we should function. But here we find that these folks were in this place, but the prophet was bringing something very clear out. He was saying that God always reserves a people. He always reserves certain people that will be committed to him, that will follow after him, that will not run for the hills, that will not disconnect or, 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 or let their relationship with God be disrupted, but they will always be faithful to him. And he says this, he says to them, because of God's compassion, we haven't been totally consumed. He's saying to the children of Israel, at any point, God could have said, that's enough. I mean, let's, let's revisit the flood. Let's revisit judgment on the earth. These people are so treacherous. They, are, they betray, betray me so much. They're so rejecting of the good things of God that I, let's just be done. Let's just judge it. Let's just be through. Let's be finished. They're not worth it. But God never did that. Why? Because his compassion is so great and because his faithfulness is so real and because no matter what we do, he doesn't change. We might change. How many of you ever know somebody that changed? Well, I hope you've changed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we need to change for the better. But how many of you have ever known people that they change in a negative way, that they aren't consistent, that they're not there for you when they say they're going to, or they're, they've broken their word to you. That's not God. God will never break his word. The Bible even says this. God is not a man that he should lie. So I, I want us to just for a moment stop thinking of God the way so many of us have thought of him in recent times and years and months. And that is this. We've tried to bring him down to fit into our context. It's really a problem. It's really a problem for Christians because it's not 
the way we're supposed to look at God and who he is and what he's done. He did become one of us. He did humiliate himself so that he could save us from our sins. But let's just be honest. He's not like us. He's great. He is massive. He is awesome. He is wonderful. He is eternal. He is not limited in any way. He is not sinful in any way. He is not overcome in any way. When you're feeling overwhelmed, God is not feeling overwhelmed. When you're feeling stretched out, God is not feeling stretched. Aren't you glad that when you go to God in the middle of your problems and in the middle of your circumstances, God's not sitting up there going, Man, I don't, I don't know, Dave. I don't know what we're going to do about this. This is, this is scary. It's, it, I got to admit, I'm thankful that that's not what God's doing. How many of you are glad about that today? God is not moved by our circumstances. God is not moved by the circumstances of the world. So as this song was written, Great Is Thy Faithfulness, it was is a very interesting way that it's written because a lot of the stories that we've been talking about, they have these huge stories behind them and the one we're going to talk about next week man don't miss next week I'm going to encourage you if you have if you have any friends I know it's the weekend of Thanksgiving I know we're already feeling the effects of that but listen to me don't miss next week if, if you're in town next week on Thanksgiving bring your family with you that are there bring them to church because especially if they're struggling especially if they're having a hard time especially if they're dealing with some problems because I'm telling you next week we're going to deal with the, the, the message or the, the song or the hymn it is well with my soul and it is going to be a powerful moment and that hymn was written out of some extreme challenges but this hymn was written by this man because of nothing it was written because he said in my normal everyday ongoing life God is always faithful it wasn't about some big thing happened to me and God came through it wasn't about that I didn't know what I was going to do, and God showed up. It was just every day when I get up in the morning, every day when I go to bed at night. You know the, the lyrics of it about the seasons and the times and all of this. And he's saying God is faithful then. He's faithful now. He'll be faithful forever. You can depend on God. I don't know about you, but I like the fact that God is dependable. Amen. Y'all in here this morning? Everybody say amen. I was just checking. So Thomas Chisholm was born in a simple log cabin in Franklin, Kentucky in 1866. He lacked a high school education or any college training, but he became a school teacher at the age of 16 and later entered the newspaper business. The following years, I just, I don't know why I giggled, but I thought that was funny. He had no education and he became a school teacher. Uh, the following years found him orda an ordained pastor, but poor health forced him to leave the ministry after a time of uh, recuperation, he moved to New Jersey to work as an insurance agent. He was a prolific writer of poetry, and he sent a collection of his poems in 1923 to his good friend, William Runyon, who was a musician that was uh, associated with the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And he also worked for a hymnal publishing company. So while this man, Runyon, was on a trip to Kansas, he was on a train and he was... Uh, looking over some of these poems that he had been given by Chisholm. And he, he found this one, Great Is Thy Faithfulness, and he thought the depth of this is unbelievable. The, the consistency of it, the, the depth of it, the literal theological framework of it is so powerful. And he started praying, God, give me a melody that would fit this song, that would be worthy of this song. 
And um, out of a simple prayer, Runyon's melody took shape and the completed hymn was published by Runyon that same year. And due to Runyon's association with the Moody Bible Institute, Great Is Thy Faithfulness became a favorite song with the students there since 1954. And it's been one of the most popular hymns in England since that time. The hymn's first verse is a simple expression of God's unchanging faithfulness based on Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. I find it interesting the way this was written and why it was written, and I also find it very interesting how much impact Billy Graham had, has had on so much of our world and so much of what we call Christianity today. Never, never, never underestimate what God is doing in your life or could do in your life. Uh, it is amazing how God took that one man and just, he was a humble man. He was just a simple guy and God took him and literally just, just elaborated on his life. He literally just expanded his life and influence and, and it really had an effect and impact on people's lives for salvation. You know, James chapter 1 verse 17 says this. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights with whom there is no changing like shifting shadows. And so the question we are going to ask today based on this hymn and the, 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 what it poses is not a, a hard question to answer, but it is a question that everybody asks. And that is, is God really faithful? And we, and we mostly ask this question when we're going through something hard and we don't know where God is. I don't know if, how you are, but I have, I have been in this position in my life. I've been in a situation in my life where it seemed like everything was falling apart and I'm like, God, where are you? Why, why aren't you here? Why aren't you showing up? Why can't I see you? Why can't I see where you're working? I love that song we sang earlier that God's a way maker. That even when you can't see it, he's working. Even when you don't know it, he's working. That's the faithfulness of God. You can depend on that. That is what God's doing. Sometimes you see things happening in your kid's life. I remember my parents prayed for me all the time. I've seen the faithfulness of God. I've seen the faithfulness of God not in my own life, but in my parents' life. I am literally a standing example at almost 54 years of age on this stage this morning of faithfulness of God to my mother. That is the truth because I can't tell you the prayers my mother prayed for me. I can't tell you the prayers my father prayed for me. I, I can't tell you the times that I would come home at night, late at night, messed up, jacked up, and walk in that house and I could hear my dad in there calling out to God my name. And God was faithful to my dad. I don't know how he did that. I don't know if like he would hear me coming and run in there and start praying or if he was just up worried about me praying for me. I don't know. But I know this. I could hear him praying for me. And we had a tumultuous relationship. It was hard, fighting, angry. It was nothing for me to stand in the face of my parents and tell them I hated them. And I had the best parents you could possibly imagine. They must have thought and felt like their whole world was coming apart. They must have fought and felt like, where, God, where are you in this? Our relationship, this is our son. We have raised him right. We have raised him in the word. What is going on here? And there are some things that had happened to me and some things that I was experiencing as a person that totally 
put my life in a bad place, and I just went with it. And at a very young age, the enemy got to me and took my life in a direction that was harmful and hurtful, not only to me, but to everybody around me. And all I remember is my grandparents praying for me. All I can remember is my parents praying for me. They would get frustrated with me. They would, be, they would be angry with me at times because of different things that I would cause and create. I remember one time that we were, my dad was a pastor as well, and he was going to a church to speak. We were standing in a hotel room, and, and he was just trying to get ready to go to church. And I started a fight with him before church, a physical fight with my dad before he went and tried to preach, trying to do what I'm doing this morning. It was a hard time. My mom still finds it hard to even talk about that season in our life. But you know what they did? They talked to God about it. Listen to me. If you're in here this morning, you're struggling with your kids, and you're wondering, are they going to turn out? Maybe you made some mistakes, and you think your mistakes are going to carry them in a, in a way that, that is negative, and you feel like you don't know how you're going to hold on to it or how you're going to. Listen, get on your knees and start talking to God because our God is faithful, and he will put obstacles in their path. He will put the Holy Spirit or, or wrangle them in. I'm telling you, well, my kids don't believe anymore. They're believing this, these philosophies of the world. Listen, don't listen to all that mess. Just get on your knees and talk to God. God is bigger. God is greater. God is louder. God is more than anything they can experience or try to go after. Listen. And he is faithful. You've heard me say it before, but I would be at parties. I'm a teenager at parties. And just, just messed up. And some teenager, some kid, drunk, would walk up to me and say, look me right in the eyes. I, this happened to me probably five times. He would come to me, or a different person would come up to me and say, Gadbury, why are you here? These are the exact words they would say every time. Why are you here? This is not for you. You shouldn't be here. And I would go home and I'd be so mad. Like, God, stop messing with it. Can I just sin? Can I just be out here sinning and you leave me alone? And I knew it wasn't because my grandmother was at home talking to God, saying, God, save David, save David. And God was hearing her cry. And God was faithful to send other people in other circumstances and other situations in one year of my life, the devil literally tried to take me out. I was in five automobile accidents. I, 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 I was, one of, one of them, we flipped. There were six people in the vehicle. We flipped that vehicle. No one hurt. We were quietly walking down that country road after that flip. And everybody starts saying, man, Gadbury, I'm glad you were in the car. I'm like, I'm just like you. Well, yeah, but your dad, your dad's praying. Shot myself in the neck with a 16-penny nail gun. Working construction right here, by the, like a 16th of an inch away from the main artery to my brain. It was not a good year. Did God do that to you to get your attention? No. The devil was after me to destroy my life, to keep me from reaching people here in the United States and around the world. And he, he tried to stop me. I even had someone prophesy that didn't know me later and said, I, they'd never seen me before and said, this is what's happened in your life. But God saved you and rescued out of that. God will allow those situations and circumstances to draw your attention to him so he can say, hey, listen, that's the life you could live or you could come and follow me and I could change your life and make your life mean something. That's how 
faithful God is. Your pastor that's talking to you this morning should be either dead or in jail, but I'm not. Why? Because God is faithful to people when they seek his face. His compassions do not fail. His mercies are new every morning. We're so funky. We are so inconsistent as people. We are so, so treacherous sometimes as people, not faithful. Infidelity all around us. God is not, cannot even be characterized in that context. Oh, man, God is good. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation. There is no shadow of turning. So is he faithful? Well, he is faithful. And here's how we know it. Number one, he's always the same. God doesn't change. Listen to this out of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 through 8. You'll see it on the screen. Let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature be free from the love of money. Shun greed. Be financially ethical. Being content with what you have. For he has said, listen to this. For he has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we are to take comfort, to be encouraged and confidently say, the Lord is my helper in time of need. I will not be afraid. Everybody say that I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Remember your leaders, he says, for it was uh, they who brought you the word of God. And consider the result of their conduct, the outcome of their godly lives. And imitate their faith, their conviction that God exists and he's the creator and ruler of all things, the provider of eternal salvation through, through Christ. And imitate their uh, reliance on God with absolute trust and confidence in his power and wisdom and goodness. Jesus Christ is eternally changeless Always the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think sometimes we project our own inconsistencies upon God and we see God as if he's like us. And the truth is he is not like us. He is not unfaithful. He is not in any way inconsistent. He is God. The Bible said he is not a man that he should lie. He is truth. And he's not just the teller of truth. He is consistency of truth. He is himself the truth. The second reason we know he is faithful is he keeps his promises. God gives us a promise. He keeps it. The very fact that Jesus was born, died on the cross, rose again from the dead, fulfills the promises of over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. The fact that one of those prophecies that would be fulfilled in one man is astronomically, the odds are astronomical. But if, if we really understand that all 300 of those prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, then we understand when God says he's going to do something, he will do it because he is faithful who promised. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23. It says, let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. Listen to those words, those adjectives. He is reliable and trustworthy and faithful 
to his word. If he said it, he will do it. I heard that old saying that people used to say all the time, if Jesus said it, he'll do it. That's good enough for me. And, 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 and nowadays, it doesn't seem to be good enough for people. But listen, if any of us had a track record that God has, everybody would trust us. Come on. If we had, you need to stop listening to the world and realize you serve a God whose track record is impeccable. He's never said he would do something that he has not done. He's never promised anything that he would not fulfill. He promised us that Jesus would come. He came. He promised us that there would be a sacrifice made in our place. He substituted for us. He promised us that he would resurrect from the dead. And it is absolutely accurate and historically proven. He raised again from the dead. And if he said he would come, if he said he would die, if he said he would raise again from the dead, you can believe that when he says he's coming again, that he is going to come again. He is a promise keeper. He is faithful. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. The third thing is this. He's very, he's a very present help. I cannot even describe to you the times that God has shown up for me. I cannot tell you the times that, that, that God has been there when right when I needed him. I'm not beginning to say or even uh, uh, would try to fill your mind full of lies or deceits that would say to you that because God is so faithful, we'll never suffer problems. Because that's not true. We live in a fallen world. Everybody says, why are these things happening? Because we live in a fallen world that has been affected by sin. God told us, don't live this way. I read something the other day that I thought was interesting. It's funny how mankind will blame God for bad things that are happening when the reason they are happening is because we're acting in the very way that God told us not to act. God, why are you letting this happen? And he's asking us, why are you doing what I told you not to do? Sin has overtaken the world. Sin causes the problems that we experience. But God is faithful to be present in the middle of those. And sometimes he walks us through those problems. And sometimes he delivers us from those problems. And God is good no matter what those problems are. Somebody say amen. Life's not easy. And we don't want to lie about it and say it is. You get saved, you're never going to have a problem again. That's foolishness. Because sometimes you're going to have more problems. Well, why? Because the devil don't want you to be saved. And the devil doesn't want your life to influence anybody else's life that will be saved. So he will attack your life. But God is faithful to protect you. God is faithful to give you authority. God is faithful to help you walk in spiritual authority to overcome the works of the devil. God is good. Somebody say amen. So he's very present. Psalms chapter 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable, a very present and well-proved help in trouble. I, I find it interesting in the Amplified Bible how it draws out this word impenetrable. Why? That sounds like a weird word to put in that context. Impenetrable? God is. I can see him saying he's well-proven. I can see him saying he's a great help. I can see him saying a present help, but impenetrable. And here's what it's saying to us, that when we find ourselves hidden in Christ, that, that he cannot be 
penetrated. The enemy cannot get through the wall of his power and his grace and his goodness. He cannot discourage us. He cannot destroy us. He cannot defeat us. And the only way he can is if we allow him in. But we should be so hidden in Christ. This is why the Bible says in Psalms chapter 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. I will trust in him. Why do I trust in him? Because he's reliable. Well, where is this secret place? It's in Christ. <laughs> I try to be not be a preacher and be more sophisticated, but I can't help it. I just love the word of God. Amen. So here's some questions we could ask. If God is faithful, and we know he's faithful because he's present help, because he keeps his promise, because he never changes. So what do we do with what we know? Well, number one, we trust. Trust just simply means to firmly believe. We fully put our trust in God. Have you all ever been a part of a trust fall? I love those ones where you see the video of the guy, he's standing on the chair and and everybody lines up behind him and they're like, now you just trust us. We're going to catch you. And they say, on the count of three, fall. One, two, three, fall. And he falls forward. It's so funny. I love it every time because it's like that was the dumbest thing. I mean, what did you think was going to happen if you fell forward? So I, I think sometimes that's kind of how we relate to God. We, we want him. We want him to catch us. But mm, I'm not sure I really believe he's going to catch me. What if I don't fall in your direction, God? What if I don't, what if my circumstances are different than what somebody else has experienced? What if I've failed or messed up? What if my life has been a, a, a this or that mistake or this or that problem? It's funny to me how God is faithful to his word, not your circumstances. Amen. So what do we do with this knowledge? We trust, we firmly believe. When we first bought our house, the first house we ever bought, uh, my wife, Janae, she, was, she really needed a house. We were in ministry. I had had several transitions, and she wanted a house. And, we had, and the reason she wanted a house is because we had moved like seven times in a year and a half. And just trying to find a place to fit, getting closer to where we're doing ministry, getting closer to where she's going to school. It was just a weird time, and we were moving constantly. And we just started feeling really weird and unstable. Like, like, you know, everything was fine in our life, but it just felt, and, and God just began to speak to me, you need to get a house. You, your wife needs a home. And, 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 you know, I grew up in ministry, so my dad was always in a parsonage or something like that or a rented home. We never bought any home or anything like that. Didn't know anything about that. And I'm telling you, it made me a nervous wreck to even think about it. And, 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 and as far as I knew, we, didn't, we couldn't afford the you know, $116,000 it was going to cost at the time, can you imagine, uh, to get a house. And I, 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 just, I just said, man, Janae, I don't know. And God just kept after me, kept after me. So Janae started praying. And Janae started praying, and she started seeking the face of God. God, we need a home. Our kids need to grow up in a home. We don't need you to be saying her family was all stay. Look, you could show up to Janae's family at 530. They'd be eating dinner. You know what I'm saying? It didn't matter when, what day, what year, what month. 530 show up, you'll get some food because they are that consistent. That's the kind of people they were. So then she's living with me and we're just going all over the place. She had to feel like she had, you know, whip, whiplash or something. And so... So we, I, I, God just got on me. Just, God just got on me. So she started praying about it. And then she started giving. 
She started giving to God, and she had heard somebody say, you know, you need to be focused on your giving. So we gave our tithes and offerings, but then she started giving extra gifts. And when I say extra gifts, I mean like $5, $10. We weren't we had a lot of money. We, 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 so she started giving money to God uh, and saying, God, I'm believing you to provide for my family as I provide for your house. And, and, and there was no, we're only giving with expectation. We already gave our tithes and offerings, but God was saying, I want to challenge you to step your faith up. So we didn't really have the money. We had to cut out other things to do what we did. And she just began, she just began giving that money and praying, giving that money and praying. So we, we looked and we went and I said, all right, I'll go look. And we had the real estate agent come and we went and looked at the house and we had one house that was like, no, that's not it. We went to another house and that's not it. And then we went to another house and we walked through the door and it was the most expensive one and it was the nicest one and that we had looked at and it was well outside what I thought our range should be. And we walked in and as soon as we walked in the door, Janae said, this is it. What? <laughs> Are we going to discuss this or talk about it? She's like, no, this is it. And so we're walking around the house. Let me show you the house. Let me show you this. And so we walk into one of the bedrooms of the house, and there's a poster on the wall. Now, we had a huge youth conference at the time. Hundreds and thousands of kids come through during the summers, and, and we would do these posters. And evidently, this kid was a kid that went to church somewhere that went to our camp. And so we walked into one room, and there the poster for Youth America was, and my picture was right there on the deal. I said, hmm, maybe this is the house. Guy called me next morning. He said, I've been in prayer. And he said, uh, we, were, we were right at the end of closing, and we didn't have, we, we had saved a lot, but we didn't have just, I think we were short $3,000 exactly. And they were like, man, can you find this somewhere? Is there somewhere? I said, man, I, there's, no, there's nothing else for us to do. We, this is it. It was one of those kind of things. It wasn't like we got all this money and we're going to go. It was just like, this is faith. This is faith. And so this guy calls me. He said, man, I was praying this morning, and God spoke to me and said, you guys are wanting to buy a home. And I thought, well, he's going to tell me about a house or something like that. And he said, I, I want to give you a gift. He said, come. And so I knew him, and I thought, well, he'll give me a couple hundred dollars, and he's just trying to obey the Lord. And I show up, and he's really busy at his job, and he says, hey, listen, just take this and go get in your car. And when I went in the car, there was a seed packet. He had put a check in a seed packet. God was drawing my attention to his faithfulness. He was saying, you sow seed, I'll give you harvest. All those times, Janae, we didn't really have it. But she believed. That guy handed me that. I got in the car, opened that up, check for $3,000. He didn't know us. He didn't know what. He, I mean, he knew us, but he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know anything about the deal. He didn't even know that we were that far in. He just knew that's what God told him. See, God is faithful. As we obey him, as we follow him, as we seek his face, he is faithful. We trust him, firmly believe. The second thing you want to do is rely. We trust, we rely. Well, what does it mean to rely? It means to depend with full trust. In other words, I trust God, but I'm not just trusting. I depend totally that he's not can do this, but that he will do this. Uh, I, I remember uh, 
a time when uh, these are financial things that I'm telling you, uh, no significance except just for this, what God did. I was going through a ministry course to try to get ready for ministry. And I had, I had, I didn't have a lot of money and I had to buy the books and I had just enough money left over my check that week to pay the bill for those books. And so I just remember I was in service and the Lord spoke to me. And matter of fact, the money that I had wasn't enough to buy the books. It was going to leave me, it was about 80% of what I was going to leave me about 20% short. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to give that money for your books in the offering. And I said, Lord, I got to buy my books. I got a responsibility here. I'm trying to go into ministry, God. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to develop. I got to buy the books. He said, just obey me. And he wouldn't leave me alone. I don't know if you've ever been under conviction like that where God is telling you, do it, do it, do it. And I was like, he wouldn't leave me alone. Literally, this is not a joke. I'm not exaggerating. I'd make this up for the effect of this message. I'm telling you, this happened. I was 20 years old. And I just said, all right, God, well, I trust you. I depend fully on you. I trust that you said this. I'm depending on you to fulfill your end of this. And so I didn't really, I wasn't saying I'll give because I'm expecting you to give back to me. I was just saying, if you're telling me to give, I'm going to give. And so I took that money that was left over, over our tithes and offerings, and I gave that extra money. It was probably 70 bucks. And by the time I left church and walked out of the door, my bill was like $100, $110, something like that. You can tell I don't know math because my percentages are off. But I walked out. Somebody walked up to me and said, we love you so much, Pastor David. Shook my hand, left the exact amount for the full payment of my books in my hand. They had no idea I even needed that. Why? You know what's so powerful about these times of faithfulness in God? It's not that he gave you money or that he provided for your need. It's that you can know God was thinking about you. You were on God's mind. He didn't leave you. He has not left you to fend for yourself. He's thinking about, come on, somebody. Our God is faithful. The third thing is we adhere. What is it if we, if we trust, we rely, then we adhere? What does it mean to adhere? It means that we stick fast to whom we trust and rely on. Uh, this is a powerful story. I'm going to try to tell it as quickly as possible because I want to give you some practical things to do with what we know about God's faithfulness. This is it, basically. I was one morning... Dead asleep in my house. It was a busy season for work at, at our church. We were going into a busy season. And, and all of a sudden, 4.30 a.m., I woke up like it was middle of the day. Just woke up. And I just felt this compelling, go to the church and get to work. It wasn't like I feel like I better get a, a start on the day. It was like I felt an impression from God, go to church, get to work. And so I just gathered my stuff up, jumped in the shower, tried to stay as quiet as possible so Janae didn't wake up. I snuck out of the house, left her a note, hey, I'm, I'm going. And I, I showed up for church, and I got there about 5 o'clock, still very dark outside, and me and another guy were there. Now, we had probably at that time around 50 people on our staff, and it just but me and one other guy showed up. And I said, what are you doing here? He said, no, I just felt like I need to get here and get to work, man. We just got a lot to do. And, and he said, but I just felt really strongly I need to be here. I said, all right, well, I'm going to go to my office and work. You go to your office and work. And so we both went to our office and work. And, and about 30 minutes later, we hear, 
I mean, I'm way down in this office that's far from the front door, but I hear somebody pounding on the front door. And let me just tell you, churches at night are creepy places to be. And when I heard that pound on the door, I was like, because we're right off the highway. I wasn't like feeling like, oh, let me go see who's at the front. I was like, oh, Lord, who's trying to get in the building? That's how I felt. And so we started making our way. And about the same time, we got to the lobby at the same time. And we were standing there looking at the door. And there's a guy with his head leaned up against the door. And he's pounding on the door. And we open the door. And he just kind of falls in. And he's bawling. He's weeping. He said, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. He just immediately starts telling us, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to do. Now listen to the faithfulness of God. Somebody was praying for this man. And God was using me to do something in my life that I needed to do to to prove God's faithfulness to my own self. And he's banging on the door. He falls in. He says, man, I I don't don't know what to do. He said, "I've, I've got a gambling problem. He said, I gamble all the time. I gamble all of our money away. My wife has finally had enough, and she pushed me out of the house today, and she said, don't ever come back. I don't ever want to see you again. I can't. I've done this too many times. I'm a drunk. I'm a gambler. I've messed my life up. I don't know what to do. And he said, I was literally driving by here. And he said, I was headed to that bridge down there. About a quarter of a mile, there was a bridge. And he said, my goal was was to drive my car off that bridge and kill myself onto the highway. And he said, I promise you, this is the truth. He's sitting there bawling, telling me this. He said, I, when I got to that corner, a audible voice said, go to that church right there. There's help for you. And he said, I argued back with the voice. And I said, it's 5.30 in the morning. No one is going to be at that church to help me. He said, go to that church. Go to that church. Go to that church. He said, that's what I kept hearing in my car. Just someone saying, go to that church. There's someone to help you. And he fell into our arms and just cried like a baby. And we ministered to him and prayed for him and got him set up with some help and some resources. But can you imagine the interwovings and the orchestration of God using me and some other pastor to get up out of our beds and just go to the church? You just need to be at the church at 5.30 and then sin as some guy was coming. You think God's not talking to you? You think God's not aware of you? You think God doesn't know who you are and is faithful to somebody who's praying for you. Come on, somebody. God knows. God is there. God is available. God is present. You stop doubting God. You stop being afraid to believe God because God is there and he is faithful. You might look at me and say, there's no way that's the truth. That is too unbelievable. I can tell you of many things like that where God told me, by a lady that was prophesying over a trip we were going to Cambodia. She said, you're going to be in Cambodia. You're going to be sitting in a coffee shop. There's going to be a a major player in the government of Cambodia come in, and you're going to get to share the Lord with him. And so I went on this trip two weeks in. We were through with the trip. I was meeting my friend at the coffee shop. We were about to come home. We're sitting there, and I said, oh, man, this lady gave me this prophecy that a a leader of the, the, the government was going to come in here, and we were going to be able to minister Jesus to him. And all of a sudden, I said, let's just be watching for us. All of a sudden, this little old man, about 67, 70 years old, came in. That's really not a little old man, but in Cambodia it is because they don't get that old. They're their, their, their age. So he, uh, he comes in, he gets his coffee, and he sits down right beside us. Turns out, Attorney General of Cambodia. 
and we get to share Christ with them. Sir, God's thinking about you. Before I came here, God told me that we would be sitting in this coffee shop and that you would sit right there. He wants you to know he loves you and he cares for you. Tears running down his eyes telling me about how Christians always came to the rescue in their nation. You think God's not thinking about you? You think God's not faithful to you? Now, I could tell you stories as I have already this morning from the Bible, scriptures that declare God's real faithfulness to us. But I can also tell you experiences like that over and over again where God is just cares. He just loves you. You don't know how much he loves you. You don't get it. It's incomprehensible how much he really cares about your situation. So when you're feeling like, like no one is thinking of you or no one cares or where is the help in this situation, you understand this. Call out to your God because he is faithful and he will not leave you destitute. He just will not. So let's ask a question. Yes, but how? How do we do this? How do we rely, trust, adhere? And I'm closing with this. Number one, we give up control of our life to God, knowing that he'll take care of it. You know, most of us, we don't get past that point. We give our life to Jesus, but we want to control because we think we know best. You don't know better than God. I just want want to say to you today, everybody look at me, I want to say something to you. You're brilliant. You're awesome people. Summit Church people, you're amazing people. You're great people. You're smart. You're intelligent. You're compassionate. You're giving. You're generous. You're loving. You probably are unaware of this, but I just want to tell you today, you're not smarter than God. You're not more brilliant than God. You do not know more than God. Not even about you. Do you know the number of hairs that are on your head? He does. Do you know how, 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 how high you were going to grow, how tall you were going to grow? He did. Can you add one inch? I've tried, y'all. The thing that's so awesome about God is that he's incomprehensible, but he's also knowable. And he, we have a relationship with him. We can understand. Listen, he, 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 he created the lilies of the field and their beauty and their wonder, yet he cares more about you than he does for them. He created all the animals that exist, but the Bible is very clear. He cares far more about you. Than he, and if he feeds them and if he takes care of them, if he's created a system that takes care of all the nature and life on this planet, then, then who do you think you are that God doesn't love you more? He created you. He can take care of you. So the first thing we do is we give up control of our life to God knowing that he will take care of us. You daily die to yourself. Die to to your own way, your way of doing things, and daily surrender our will to Jesus. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, this is what Jesus said. Then he said to them, all who ever want to be my disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me daily. So here's what you should pray every morning when you get up. Father, I am not my own. I am yours. I was bought with the price of Jesus' blood. Jesus, you are my Savior, but not only that, you're my Lord. You are in charge of my life. I want what you want. I want what you want me to do. Use my life to bring glory to your name. That's the way we should start our day. That's the way we should start our prayer time. God, I'm not in charge. You're in charge. The second thing is 
daily think through your present and future and place your confidence in Jesus to be available and active in your life. God is not your co-pilot. I hate that bumper sticker. God better be your pilot. And you probably shouldn't even sit in the co-pilot seat. Pray and listen. Pray and listen every day. God is faithful. He'll provide where he guides. He will guide our lives and he wants his best for our lives. Third, choose God's way of doing things. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. Believe the Bible and apply the Bible to your life. Isaiah 55 verse 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so is God's ways higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. There is nothing or should be nothing more inspiring to the believer than our understanding of how faithful God really is. His faithfulness is seen by His very creation and the fact that He sustains His creation. The fact that He... Listen, I got news for you. I'm all about taking care of the environment. I'm all about taking care of the world God's given us and being a steward over the world God's given us. But listen, ain't nothing wrapping up here until God wraps it up. There ain't nothing changing here until God changes it up because the Bible said He created it and in Him it consists, meaning He is sustaining it. And when God's done, it's done and He'll create a new one and we'll all be a part of that. Somebody say amen. Sorry for that little jump to the off the subject he's the same all the time he's unchanging the fact that he makes promises and keeps them is so faithful when we can see it and when we can't see it he defines faithfulness he is the personification of faithfulness and we are surrounded by a world filled with infidelity but God is always faithful who is God he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother the Bible says he is the one who never leaves you or forsakes you the Bible says he is the most just and the highest reward he is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. He is before all things and He is after all things. He is most consistent personality in the universe. He is present to help and He is always available. He is faithful. 1 John 1, 9 says if we're faithful and confess our sins, He's faithful to, to, to forgive us our sins. Psalms 111 says the works of His hands are faithful and just. All His precepts are trustworthy. Psalms 1, 45 says the Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all that he does. 1 Corinthians 1 9 says God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord and lastly 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 24 says the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So in this knowledge of his faithfulness that inspires us we must trust and we must rely and we must adhere because he is so faithful. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.